Welcome to more about officership, an open and honest discussion about officership in Australia. As we move towards One Australia Territory, host Captain Matt Rees is joined by officers from across the country to discuss the challenges and rewards of being an officer today. Well, here we are. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast. It's uh, great to have your company. If you've been listening along uh, to them in the past and you've got some questions or comments, uh, you can uh, leave your comments on the Facebook page, which is the Salvation Army Australia Candidates. Um, we would welcome your uh, feedback. Of course, if you've got uh, topics you'd like us to cover, officers you'd like us to speak to, then um, we would uh, welcome that as well. Well, in the studio today, we have three very special guests uh, joining us who uh, have come from all parts of the world, literally, um, and served Jesus uh, through officership in the Salvation Army. Uh, we have Captain Mira, and then we've got the lowly uh, Lieutenant... Andrew Lee, I don't mean lowly, and then um, Lieutenant Elizabeth Kang. So uh, welcome to each of you. I thought it'd be good right at the start for us to learn a little bit about you, um, for us to, we're interested in your story, people listening uh, to the podcast are as well. So Mira, would you like to go first and just tell us a little bit about who you are, um, what you've done, where you've come from, and, and what you're doing currently? Sure. My name is Manikya Mera, but people call me Mera. And I originally come from Hyderabad, which is from South India. And uh, I moved to Australia in 2005 to study my master's degree. And then um, what, first what, time... What were you studying in uh, your MBA master's? in accounting. Okay. Yeah, great. And then at that time, uh, I come from a Christian background. My father was uh, he's a missionary and um, he's he's a director of Loving Hands Ministries, which is a Christian organization. And uh, but when I came to Australia, I I have I don't know where to go, which church or any place. So I had my cousin who lived in Sydney. So I lived with her at that time. I asked her, "Do you have any church around here?" And she she told me that there is one place called um, uh, Salvation Army, uh, and it was a Chinese uh, core. And she said, I, "I don't know whether they speak English there, but anyhow, I decided I'll go there." And it was a Chinese uh, core. Salvation Army Chinese Corps in Burwood, but they actually had an English service. So it was really good. So I really felt like this was home for me and I started worshipping there. I started being part of that community there and it was really good. And um, and so on, we uh, I, st- I started going there and I had a lot of friends because I was a university student at that time. So I invited a lot of friends to come into the church. So, and so people started coming. So a lot of university students, Indian students started coming into the Chinese core. And at one point, the Chinese uh, congregation said, we need to have another congregation for the Indian community. So the officer decided that we'll have a student group fellowship. So, so we started a student group fellowship. Then after that, a couple of years later, we moved to Adelaide because I got my permanent residency. So we had to move to Adelaide. So when I moved to Adelaide, we started going to Ingle Farm Corps. Oh, yes. Yep. So from there, I moved into, I mean, we were there part of the Ingle Farm Corps. And from there, I went into the college in 2008. I went into the college. So that's how I started my journey with the Salvation Army. Okay. Did, did you work in, in Ingl- at, for the Salvation Army in Adelaide? Uh, no, or you no, no. Still... Not for the Salvation Army. I used to work for a Eureka group uh, mm. as a customer service officer. Okay. So and then we designed our jobs. I resigned my job. And yeah, both my husband and me, we both came into the Salvation Army officership. Right, yeah. now you, and you have children? Yes, have, now, yes. Yes? Not before. Not, <laughs> now, yeah, I have two girls, uh, Prisha, who's a five-year-old. She goes to school prep. And uh, 
three and a half year old uh, another girl uh, anvita she goes to kinder yeah oh, yeah great oh well, so much more to learn about you which will be which will be good elizabeth what about you um my name is elizabeth scan um I was uh, born and ra- raised in North Sudan, but originally my parents from South Sudan. Um, I migrated to officership. I came to Australia in 2005 uh, due to the war in South Sudan for more than 50 years. So I came here as a refugee uh, from Lebanon, came. Um, when I came here to Australia, my community was new um, to Australia here. So we started to look for a church um, to worship. Uh, as a, at that time, uh, we didn't find any place to worship in, but we find that the Salvation Army, that they opened their hand to us uh, for the Sudanese community to come and worship um, in 2009. And my husband and I and some of the community members. We started to go to Noble Park uh, Cafe, the small cafe in Buckley Street. Uh, we started to worship uh, there. And then when um, the congregation started to grow, uh, then they moved us from Noble Park to the Chinese in Springvale uh, with um, Captain R and, and uh, Laura. And then um, uh, after two years in uh, Salvation Army Chinese Corps, we moved to Berwick because the congregation started to become uh, bigger and then the, um, I think the need started to become more. And the other reason that they move us to Berwick because um, we have a problems uh, with the youth uh, that they come here to Australia. So they fall between two um, cultures. So there is misconfusing or misunderstanding mm. about uh, freedom. So what freedoms look like uh, for them. So it was really very hard for the community to just uh, manage these kids that they come and then they're using freedom in a different way or in the wrong way. So we have um, uh, our youth that have a big problem with drug and alcohol issues. Um, and even parenting started to become an issue uh, and, and other stuff as well. So we moved to uh, Berwick um, and we felt that this is home for us. Um, uh, at that time. So through Beric, um, Riak and I, my husband, we started to uh, lay a liaison between the offices and us as a, a community support. So we are the one that when Troy and Peter um, seeking help or understanding about culture, so well, they will come to us mm. and, and ask and then we explain to them uh, how things dance in, in culture. So um, We've been supporting our community through Berico for um, nearly nine years. Mm. And then uh, after that, uh, we felt that God is calling us uh, to full-time officership. That when we started to enter to the Salvation Army Training College in um, 2016. Mm. 2016, yeah. So it's been um, a, a very hard journey. Uh, coming from uh, a background that uh, English is the second language, uh, but uh, uh, through God that empower us, um, I think nothing impossible uh, for that. So um, we're still serving the Salvation Army now uh, in our first appointment, nearly now eight months in Danenyong Salvation Army Danenyong Co. 
Um, so far, we enjoyed it at the ministry there. It's uh, rich and it's uh, multicultural. Uh, with our three um, kids, um, Helen, she's uh, nearly 17. So Grace, next month, she's standing 12. And Jonathan, he's eight. Mm. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Andrew. Yep. What about you? Um, my background's uh, similar but different. Uh, I was born in Singapore. Uh, my parents are Roman Catholic, so I come from a Catholic background. And um, they moved over uh, with my brother and my sister to Perth when I was five. That was back in the 80s. So even though I'm Singaporean, I'm actually West Australian or Australian. <laughs> I, I grew up through the public schools um, in Thornley and Kelmscott and uh, graduated uh, from Curtin Uni. And that's probably the first time I, I met the Salvation Army. So... Uh, during my teenage years, I never went to church. And in my final year of university, um, being the uh, lazy son that I was, uh, my parents <laughs> said that I had to go out and find a job or else I had to move out home. So I went and volunteered with the Salvation Army Family Source uh, in Kennington. Oh, okay. yeah. So that was my first contact with the Salvation Army. And um, through that final year and the next year, I actually got to know quite a few of their uh, employees and some of them were actually salvationists and they were quite friendly and caring and um, yeah through them uh, there was a job opening up in uh, down in Noble Park in Victoria uh, and uh, yeah I applied for that and I got the job and uh, that was uh, first time I, I left the, the family home so mm. it was quite interesting uh, I stayed in that job for about two and a half years um, during that time I was living alone. I didn't have friends. And um, uh, the receptionist actually was from Box Hill Core, which is uh, she's the pianist there, Mavis. And she uh, invited me to church one day when she saw that I was pretty lonely and I got connected to the Box Hill Core uh, through, through that experience and uh, gave my life to Christ. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, and things happen from there. Okay. Now, you, you've served overseas as well? Yes, twice. Yeah, yeah. Where, whereabouts have you served? Um, so the first time as a just a salvationist, as a soldier uh, in Pakistan. So I served there for four years. Okay. And then came back for training college and then did a stint in Alice Springs and Palmerston before going to Bang- Bangladesh last year. Okay, great. Uh, Mira, sorry, I forgot to ask, what's your current appointment? I'm a CBD intercultural officer. Okay. In, in CVD, in CVD Central, Central Victoria, Victoria Division. Division. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that actually look like for you? Um, so it's a very nice appointment um, because uh, we get to do a lot of missions. So that's what drags us into the Salvation Army, actually. Mm. Um, both Monty and me, we both are CVD intercultural officers. Uh, and we uh, we do a lot of work with a lot of people and um, organic faith community, so um, missional community. So we see one person getting saved and then he goes and he makes more disciples. So it's just very simple concept of go and make disciple thing. Mm. So that's that's the mission, what we are doing at the moment. So it's mm. really good. Elizabeth, what about yourself, like in your current appointment, which is sort of a new appointment, really eight months is still kind of new um, from a very... Uh, probably a similar kind of community, but probably not as well known to you because you're at Berwick. What sort of things do you find yourself involved in that you get to use your experience? Well, um, yesterday I was uh, talking with um, 
Claire. So she's my, um, she's a core officer there at Dananong. So we work together. So she asked me a question. Uh, it was a very interesting question because she asked me, she said that when you get um, your appointment, did you get a description about your um, title, what you you have to do? And then I said, no, but I know that I'm the associate core officer. So associate means helper. <laughs> so whatever needs to be done at the core, so you just come in and yeah, yeah. do it. So, But she told me, then she looked at me and she said, no, you're doing more than helper. <laughs> so my uh, role as associate officer is um, like what I said, yes, jump in uh, if there is any task that need to be done. So mm. I will uh, support the core officer to do that. But I really enjoy um, working or witnessing to Gisus in uh, Daninong uh, uh, area because it's rich and it's very multicultural and like what Mira said. So if you get one safe, so he will come and bring two and mm. then the two will go and bring five. So this is the beauty of other culture that's when they find really there is a life or there is a things in 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 in, in um, religion. So if they um, God touches their heart, so they will go and witness to other mm. to other people. So that's why I love um, witnessing witness to Jesus. I don't uh, in the specifics um, uh, in Sunday I preach and I lead, but because most of the people that they enter to the core. They are not all safe or they are not all Christian. So the way we act and the way we behave and the mm. way we talk to them, I think that uh, bring them so uh, let them interested to know what that person, why he's so caring, why mm. he's so uh, passionate or why he's so loving that I wanted to know what he's doing. So this is the way that I witness to people and, and, and through and gaining with different people as well. And that's when they come and I start to know uh, about God. It started to ask, can you have a Bible in, in Persian or can you have a Bible in Arabic or can you have a Bible in their own language? That's when they started to this um, journey with, with, with God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Andrew, what's your current appointment? Uh, my current appointment is uh, Intercultural Ministries Consultant at Territory Headquarters. Okay. For across the territory, just for yeah, across the territory. Across the territory, okay. When you think about the Salvation Army, and we talk about understanding cultures, how do you think we go about that? Are we any good at it, for starters? And I need you to be honest. Um, and and what can we learn? Like, I, because the whole idea of these conversations is to for people entering into ministry or exploring ministry, and, and I know there's a lot of officers who listen along as well. What sort of things can we do? Because I would be a classic example of an officer who is most of my ministry has been uh, very, and I, I mean this respectfully, very white. Um, yep. that's, that's, just, that's just how it's been. So what, what would you say to me <clears throat> and what, what sort of things could we learn uh, as an organisation in terms of dealing with different cultures and trying to understand that not everyone thinks the same way as we do, but we all sort of have a common, some commonalities. That's a big question, yeah, a I big know, question. Um, yeah. but I'm pretty sure Mira will be able to answer it. Yeah, yep. sure. Um, because as an intercultural officer and coming from a different background, I see a simple thing is love the person, whoever yeah. they are, whatever they are. Don't see their background, where they come from, what they do, but rather just love them. So we, at the moment, uh, Monty and I, we are working with a lot of different cultural people like from India, Iran, um, from um, Chinese background, from Hong Kong, um, from Sudan and, you know, uh, 
a lot of other country people but we never we never actually ask them where are you from or whatever but actually we when they say that you know i come from this country then we say we show interest in their culture and we start speaking about it and we we say that you know it's so super you know like like we had a south korean girl some time ago and we loved kimchi so we just spoke about kimchi and that attracted her towards that and food is one of those important element that yeah. brings people together enjoy the meal together just become good friends that's a very simple thing and that's what jesus did yeah. he was just he just want to make friends he called them friends so to when you become friends to them and they will be open to you and they are very free and open minded people actually what about like so a lot of our congregations are meet on sunday morning someone talks people sing um that sort of stuff do you find that with different cultures that that's not normal or that's not like i mean i i know i've seen some of the work that you do at preston and i just see big tables set up and everyone mm. enjoying each other's company and eating and talking and laughing yeah. and just but, a jesus principle <laughs> yeah but <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, which yeah. i agree but they yeah. they sort of we have this desire to pull everyone into a big room where someone talks at the front like is that how how do we like it's not a cultural gap it's a it's a salvation army sort of yeah. historical thing how yeah. do we how do we break away from that um I, I, i think if if we still continue with the current structure and format it's actually the the add on afterwards uh most of the cultures that we experience and engage with it's about relationship uh so i've noticed with the with the standard churches go to church uh leave church and have lunch with your family back home right yep. whereas uh, for us it's mostly go to church then have a uh, have a lunch together like a core lunch core fellowship lunch yeah okay um, as a whole community as a whole everybody's community. invited it's yeah. not exclusive so it's... for chinese it is all about food and relationships so this is where we we actually engage quite well if if we actually put on a spread after church service and we just go around having um having meal and just saying hey how are you what's going on in your life and that's that's i think that's probably the most effective thing that we could do So what do you think it is though that like for for different cultures like a, a, say Australian culture that there are people who long for community yep. and they they like food um but we haven't we don't join those dots together like there's you, you don't sort of see after a Sunday meeting you know let's all just have yep. a a meal and share what why is it that it's different i think it's the mindset of the person yeah. like yeah. we have seen some people they just get involved they just want to be friends with others and they do it it's their passion inside them and yeah. they do it for some it's like oh no what would they think you know how do i actually become their friend whether they would be okay or not it's yeah. it's the mindset what you have i think we need to just risk it and just you know be simple you know just go and just talk to people and and just become their friends yeah, yeah. it's it's quite weird because most of the calls I visit we do have a meal program of some sort during the week there's either a cafe open or mm. there's a you know wednesday lunch yeah but that's a disconnect from what we actually do on a sunday mm. but those meals are generally designed to serve the community as opposed to serve the whole yeah everyone so, including those who serve oh, sure so it's building on that mindset is meals means serving the community rather than actually meals means family and building a relationship with each other. Mm. Um if we thought through that mindset and we viewed everyone coming through that door during the week as family and we just, you know, just having a meal and getting to know each other and you know, catch up on what's going on, maybe that's a a different pers- point of view than mm. what we should say, here you go, here's your meal and then we don't 
have mm. that interaction during the week, and that's probably what we need to do on the Sunday as well. Mm. Is that is that strong within the Sudanese community too, Elizabeth? Well, in the Sudanese community, uh, the uh, community is a church, and the church yeah. is a community. Mm. Mm. So if there is no um, community, there is no church, actually. So it's all connected to each other uh, in the Sudanese community. So for me, I think I need to... Um, Australian, they need to look at what the community mean. They need to identify the community for them, what it is. Is it really uh, just a family or is it really the wider people that's in the community when they come together and worship together? That it's a community for us as a Sudanese or other African. So it's everyone, including everyone. Yeah. And hospitality, it's a big things um, in the African community or Sudanese community uh, because this is our identity. This is when we come all together, we share our meals, we laugh, yep. we pray for each other, we know each other and, you know, all this uh, stuff. So community is church and church is community. Yeah, it's, it's a very good... Mm. And Australia is one of those countries where you get to see a lot of different cultures. And especially Melbourne, you live in Melbourne or Sydney (laughs) or one of those uh, metropolitan cities. You see a lot of cultures and people wanted to explore each other's culture. That's where the intercultural uh, thing comes, where people wanted to explore their culture, learn some good things from each other cultures. And they wanted to explore that and they wanted to have that kind of a a powerful culture. I don't know what to explain in a word, but uh, it's very, very positive kind of a livelihood they want to live. And every culture has its pros and cons. Sure. You know, when we bring that good things from each culture, we bring some something special into that intercultural thing. And that's when people start living. So when we have all these people from different countries, nationalities, they come here and they bring their good things. And we all share that, like, uh, we, we love enjoying food like many australians would love to but i don't know everybody loves curry but you know some people do (laughs) like curry and some people like kebabs who doesn't love curry (laughs) who doesn't love curry (laughs) but you know the food brings people together and we have uh, we we do a lot of fellowship meals so when we do fellowship meals everybody brings a food to share and it's a time to share we talk about the food we talk about the richness of our Mm. cultures at the same time we talk about our family issues or what's happening how can i be in the community what can i do for the salvation I mean, and these th- kind of things come naturally. Hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, through my experience that if you want to break that culture, if you want to break that misunderstanding, just bring people and, and give them food. And then this is when you start the conversation. So food, I think it brings um, a lot of opportunity for people to understand each other. So, yeah, this is what, uh, what I found out that, yeah, yeah. If we, if you have any idea, bring food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to be said for that. Um, yeah, I, I just I think there um, there is such an opportunity for us to to gather people uh, in different ways, um, and it change. It's a different mindset to mm-hmm. how we gather people, or for the purposes in which we gather people, which yeah. should ultimately be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but picking up the thing that Mira just said around, you know, you talk about your own culture, mm. your own family, you know, parenting and, you know, because it doesn't matter where we're from, we still have troubles with our kids yep. and our mm. kids don't always do what they're told. Yeah. I don't know, maybe yours do, but mine don't. You know, there's, there are, there are lots of challenges. And I think, Elizabeth, you were talking about um, some of the young Sudanese, yep. you know, they, they, mm. they've got a new freedom, yep. but they don't know what that, mm. what that 
actually means or what that can possibly be. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's really hard when, when our um, community here in Australia, when they come new arrival here, and I started to uh, facing this uh, big issue. And I think because uh, the problem is not just... Uh, the confusion about the freedom. It's there is um, kids or that they come, uh, their parents brought them to here to Australia for safety. Uh, but at the same time, you can find uh, the orphans that they that die in the war during the war. So there's a lot of single moms that they really struggled um, with you know with the parenting because the father's uh, place it's empty. Uh, this is one thing. Um, our community, because we live in a community, so we try that even though the parent is not there, so people, there's uncle, there's friend, there's people in a the community, they can, you know, they can look after the child. But but it's still that there is a, a big gap because there's no uh, father, so the father's not there. Or sometimes the father, they left him in Africa because... Uh, he wanted to fight back or he wanted to look after the property or whatever. So the mother come here and bring the kids. Um, <clears throat> so you find a mother with a limited English um, that she can't understand and she can't support the kids. Uh, and sometimes when the kids have done something wrong in the school, then they bring the mother to go for the parent interview or whatever. So the, the, the same child that they did um, the wrong thing, that he will, he's the interpreter for the mom to uh, to interpret for her what what the teacher says so it's very hard and very difficult and we have um, uh, an incident that when uh, kids bring um, a drug home you know the one that's like lollies look like yeah. lolly and then the mom said ah oh, this is a lolly so she will not even notice that this is a you know this is a drug so how are we going to teach you know parent about this is actually not lawless. This is drug, and then you find um, other youths that they, you know, they felt very drunk, and then they started vomiting. Then the mom say, "Poor you, we take you to the emergency because you're sick." So it's really mis, you know. And the other thing that our kids really misunderstand freedom because there's a, uh, a Sudanese culture, and then there is a uh, Australian culture. So it's it's they just felt in the you know in between. So. What to pick? Do you want it to pick is still going with the Sudanese culture or do you want it to still uh, holding the Australian culture? So there is a lot of confusion when it comes to um, understanding cultures, understanding freedom. That's when uh, the big issue came up in the community. Yeah, I think it's difficult being like a 1.5 or second generation where uh, you have your parents' uh, culture that you belong to but then you also want to see the Australian culture and live in, in that Australian culture. Mm-hmm. And that and for me, um, I, I do have times where I experience where where do I fit in in society? Like it's, it's, it's difficult. You just, um, I, I have a restless spirit at times and saying, you know, can I go somewhere else? Where do I fit in? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think I'm hearing from other people like me uh, that they've also had that sort of uh, in-between Okay. in them. What are the, so obviously as Salvation Army officers, it's about, <clears throat> you know, uh, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, helping people find freedom in that sense and a, a pathway to discipleship. And um, how, 
I know a little bit of Mira, but what you do, but what 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 sort of things do we do in terms to, of the communities that we gather with, um, like discipleship and um, very very sort of I guess basic things, which we we don't often get right in lots of churches. But could you tell us how you've you've found creative ways amongst the cultures that you work with in sharing uh, the good news? Uh, the first thing is never talk about a religion. Mm-hmm. among the people and uh, because religion is a man-made thing the jesus is totally different and he's against religion yep. so we have people from islam from buddhism from hinduism and all these backgrounds um but they come to the lord they get saved and the first thing they say is i want to become the disciple of jesus not another religion follower like they don't want to call themselves as christians so we say that's fair enough because we really want disciples of jesus christ that's very important because you become a disciple that means when you are living a disciple life that means you'll go and make more disciples so and that's the emphasis we do so we remove the word of religion we don't say which religion you come from but it's more about we emphasize the positive side of uh, jesus you know talking about what jesus is about and and the kingdom values you know and who doesn't want to live according to the sermon on mount you know and it's good for you good for the society yeah. so and and that's the simple concept we actually follow and it really works we don't complicate with too many programs or anything but just speaking out the kingdom values live out the gospel you know and and bringing food together and when they go outside into the community they live like a very valued person or individual or um and when people see them that they are totally changed person and they keep asking them what made you so different and then they share the gospel with others so so how does that fit in then with a with a church that is driven by programs you know you run programs yeah i think programs are are good for to an mm-hmm. extent where it helps the community in some way but if you're not making any relationships with that community and they just attend the program and go there's no yep. point you know mm-hmm. like uh, people have to build that relationship uh, with with our savior and and you know have that um uh, a new kingdom valued life you know we if you don't see that they're just coming and attending and leaving it's just like you're going to a normal club you know it doesn't make any sense so yeah yeah okay what about you guys you got experiences in this Well, I, in my experience so far in my Christian journey, so I don't convert to disciples, but I disciple to convert. So that's mean it's I work with the persons, mm. uh, I journey with them, and then if at the end if they accept Christ, so they will come and and give their life to Christ. So I think this is a, a, a right way for me to look at it rather than saying to them, that's it. you need to come to you need to become a christian <laughs> and then after christian we can disable you it's yeah. not you know no, it's not no. other way around yeah. so i so many people that i work with uh, many people i journey with many people that they come to uh, they come to faith because i guess show them Christ in me in my, the way i talk to them the way i support them I, the way i uh, i share you know i show Christ in me so that's why um, they become a christian andrew what from the territorial perspective yep. like you know like you you're you are in charge if you like of the the ministry of intercultural ministries what what one what does that mean and secondly what 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 could you sort of say to people that are that are listening that might be able to help them if they're in a core that maybe doesn't have a a, a vast kind of relationship with its wider community from people of different um cultures what what would you say to them yeah well firstly i'm not in charge i actually um 
am a servant to Mira and Elizabeth. So whenever they, they call up and say, hey, I need assistance in whatever form, yep. I'm, I'm there for them. So um, as a consultant, that's that's my role basically is okay. to serve all the cause in the territory, yep. whatever they need. So say Kalgoorlie needed a Bible for such and such person, I'll try and make that happen. So um, what to say to someone in the core, I guess, um, you know, go out in your community, make friends, basically. Um, build that relationship. I think um, we've talked about that through and through here. Um, and if you really want to uh, immerse yourself in, in a different culture, go try a different food, you know. Don't go to McDonald's or every day. <laughs> try Indian or Thai or even some Persian food. Um, mm. Certainly for me, I, I don't have the language skills, so uh, this year I just started um, taking up French lessons, you know, something simple, something similar to English, so... Mm start building up on that so maybe something simple did you yeah. say something French simple. is simple <laughs> French is simple some of the oh. some of the French words are in the English dictionary okay. English language so it's uh it's a lot easier than uh, Hindi and Urdu or uh, Nua I try to come uh, on Nua try to say hello in Nua it's easy <laughs> come on <laughs> It's easy maybe, when you look at it, maybe actually. Maybe you need to um, <laughs> tutor me. Yeah. Yeah, at some point. It's, yeah, yeah, it's really right. easy when you've done it all your life. It's really easy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, and, you know, I think most of Australians have some sort of intercultural experience. Um, I know a lot of people go to Bali and uh, to, to New Zealand or overseas to uh, Europe as well and Southeast Asia. Uh, you know, if you do go on holidays in the next year or two, instead of sticking to your hotel and to tourist spots, why not try something different and um, mm. try say hello or engage in um, lang- conversation with the, the locals mm. and actually experience some, you know, authenticity in in, yeah. in that cultural immersion. Immersion. That's. Fun. <clears throat> I was just thinking about that word. Like it's that's really what you do. Isn't yeah, it? and that's yeah. that's what we all should do yeah. is to immerse ourselves in um, what what we want to know, um, and, and you can sort of visit it, uh, and it would take forever. But if you immerse yourself in it, yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. And we are all uh, living interculturally. Mm. Uh, you know, culture and language are dynamic, and especially with the youth. You know, even in Australian youth, the language that they use and the words and the meanings change yep. year to year. Yeah. And uh, so we already have that, well, I'm not sure we have that, but there, there's that basic understanding that we are engaging uh, differently to the next generation anyway. And that, that skill is useful to actually engage with people of um, uh, diverse mm. uh, cultural and linguistic backgrounds mm. as well. So. Okay, great. Um, uh, this has been a fascinating conversation, by the way. Brilliant. Um, but what do you do just as Salvation Army officers just to sustain yourself through your ministry? I know that, you know, we, we may do different things, but there's still it's foundational for us how we, we get through that and how God supports us through that. Can you give us some practical tips for those that are listening? That, um, and we ask this of everybody who does the podcast. Yep. So just what what do you do? What is your routine that helps you sustain not only your spiritual life but your um, your, your own personal discipleship? Um, is there things that you live by, rules you live by? Uh, firstly, prayer, lots of prayer, daily prayer. Uh, for me, I, I prefer to have um, 
a quiet space. So if I'm, you know, on a weekend, if I have a spare day, I'll, I'll just, yeah, sit at home just reading a book or watching TV and just, yeah. Netflix. I don't have Netflix. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just chill out. Just, just yeah, just yeah. basically chill out. Um, for me, I know um, uh, being who I am, uh, engaging with people every day, mm. that drains me. And I know my energy comes from actually having time alone. Yeah. And, yeah, so reading, reading lots of books, reading the Bible, that, that's for me, that uh, re-energizes me. Yeah. Okay. Elizabeth? Mm. Well, for me, definitely it's prayer. So prayer is my priority. Uh, devotional, um, before bedtime, and uh, some of the disciplines. So I have, uh, I would like, I do uh, meditations, um, quiet time, as well as uh, fasting. Okay. So these ones, um, prayer and fasting, it's the one that keep me going. It's the one that keep me, encourage me actually um, to do things uh, in my life. So strongly I put uh, prayer and fasting yeah, in my um, discipline practices as well. Yeah. Yeah, for me, prayer is the first thing. I keep praying and staying that connection with God and, and just continually talking to Him and saying, you know, what's in my life? How, how can I be your utensil? And that, that thing is really powerful for me and having that quiet time of reflection too. So I do my devotions and, and I go for a walk and going outside and you see the real world uh, from not from the human perspective, from God's perspective, and it's really, really powerful. Then you see, you think that what's happening here? You know, how can I be part of this world here? And how can I do it? Like, you know, sometimes you have this transfiguration movement, yeah. and I do have that a lot sometimes. And I think, yeah, this is where we are meant to be, and this is where I'm called to be. Yeah, great. Well, thank you very much. It's been a really helpful, I've, I've enjoyed it, the conversation. I know that people listening will. Uh, be of the same view because your insight is is deep um, and your experiences are so vast and we all have so much to learn. Um, so uh, to Mira, to Elizabeth and to Andrew, thanks for sharing um, your experiences. We continue to pray for the ministry and, you know, for myself personally being challenged about, you know, maybe I just need to uh, just sit at a table with someone uh, and learn about culture and people and, and, uh, and obviously talk about the very thing that we love, which is which is Jesus. So thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for more about officership. You can join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash SA Candidates Australia. If you want to explore officership further, please speak to your local core officer or candidate secretary. The Salvation Army needs more leaders. Is God asking for more of you?